to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us on all social media at Believe in OWL, that's B-L-E-A-V in O-W-L, and Believe.com. This week we talk about off-season Overwatch League news, possible leaks for BlizzCon, and what it could mean for future heroes. Alrighty then. So welcome to this week's episode of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Hope you've all been well and have been enjoying the spooky, spooky season. Uh, speaking of spooky, spooky season, what's new in the spooky world of Kevin? Ooh, uh, the the real spookiness is coming with the tournament that I've been uh, organizing and finally getting off the ground. I was talking with the, the director of esports at the Academy of Art to see if I could use their facilities now that I've been casting over there every weekend or yeah, pretty much every weekend for the past three weekends. Uh, they said, yeah, we, we might as well try something out. So really last minute, literally happening next week on the 27th um, is when I will start up my trick or treat throwdown. The way how the game works, I can I can release this now because... It's going to be all over the place, but um, essentially I have five tiers of difficulty making the games harder as the tournament progresses. Um, If you lose the game, you get candy, Uh, but if you win the game, your games get harder. So (laughs) the very first level, everybody starts on the first level. Um, Everybody gets kazoos for comms or they lose a chair. That's pretty much 50-50. Level two starts what we call manageable. It's things that are it's not going to be too crazy, but just enough to like mess with balance a little bit. One is as casters, we get to draft your team lineup. Uh, we get to uh, ban three heroes from the game that you cannot pick. Uh, you could choose between 50 50, which means you only get half healing or you could only deal half your output damage. Oh, no. <laughs> so the games will be a lot harder to win. Random heroes or selecting the hero on your select screen is undermanageable as well. Then we get to tricky, which is level three. So it's things that are a little bit require a little bit more like brain power to do. Um, one of them is enemy and ally colors are the same. You don't know who's against you or well, pretty much who's shooting at you is the bad guy, but you can't tell by the hero outline. Um, or uh, conversely, the the hero colors are switched. So you have to train your brain to do the opposite. There's straight up ban a class. So we could just say like, yeah, no healers. Oh, no. Uh, Unbind an ability key and replace with taunt or unbind a directional key and replace with taunt. So if you hit W, you're sitting down for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you try to use any ability, we get to choose the ability. I think we're going with either E or shift. Yeah, it's taunt now. Um. Level four is difficult, so things that are, you know, harder to deal with, uh, which includes inverting your aim, uh, changing your peripheral. So if you're on keyboard and mouse, you have to use a controller. And if you're on a controller, you have to use keyboard and mouse. And then invert one of the direction keys. So your W and S are flipped or your A and D is flipped. Uh, 
or you're up and down or flipped. And then last one is like, you know, uh, impossible. We call this impossible. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, no in-game HUD. So no crosshair, no cooldowns. You don't know what's going on. You don't know. You don't know your time other but other than Athena's like vocal cues. You don't know how good you're doing or if you're winning or losing. Inverting WASD. So WASD, all four of them are the opposite of what you want it to be. Um, and then cross tandem, which is the one that I want to see most, uh, which is where your hands are essentially crossed. You're playing two heroes at the same time. Uh, so, yeah, these punishment games, we've definitely been trying them. We've been testing them with a couple of friends of mine, and we are like, these are insane to do on your own, let alone having an entire tournament based around them. Um, so they're definitely down to see how crazy this gets and i'm i'm ready to see how crazy it gets and if it takes off you know uh we could always bring it back for april fool's day in april so uh that's that's a great part about this what's the hardest out of all the impossible punishments oh okay my favorite one is the cross tandem so regular tandem mode is like one person has their left hand on wasd and the keyboard and the other person has the mouse right right Cross tandem means that one person has the WASD from one character and their mouse on the other character. Does that make yeah, sense? So yeah. your arms are literally crossed. You're aiming with one hero and you're controlling the movements and the abilities of another hero. So you're sitting in between two PCs at the same oh time. Oh my god. Like, um, just splitting the attention it's alone is going to be hard enough. Plus actually functioning as a player. Exactly. Um, but you do, if a team does get to that point, they get to recruit somebody from a different team to play the last, you know, the last slot, probably somebody from the actual esports team to play for them. But yeah, it does get insane. Where did the kazoo idea come from? How did that um, become a thing? Because I think that's the funniest one. It was actually a thing that we would do as practice for Art You Ruby for the B team. We would do, I, I wouldn't say role playing, but like we would have like kazoos was the first one where it's like if you guys could communicate effectively with a kazoo in your mouth, then you can communicate everything that you need at any given time. And I'm like, why are you doing this to us? <laughs> it's like um, the main goal was to just see if our mechanics and if we were all together as a team and we don't need to rely on comms. But then later it they were like, OK, we saw how good you guys are without comms. I want to see you guys improve with comms. So it's just showing us the light and day of that. So uh, the kazoos came from that idea. Um, it's also just like you know, one of the easiest instruments to play um, to have people just run around with kazoos in their mouth is a great idea <laughs> so when i got the idea i was like you know what this is something that we did as practice for fun uh let's just see what it looks like here so okay but like how so when you were first starting out with the kazoos how difficult was it for you to actually learn how to communicate with them because i've done games with camp where i'm training my volunteers to learn how to communicate and like you take away their actual means of communication and so like they're resorting to like just clapping or like humming or something and like it takes so long to figure mm -hmm. out a, an effective way to communicate it got to a point where we would just use sprays and uh some of the hockeys yeah. you know how there's like i need healing uh attack the objective um it's like yeah so we would use sprays to be like and we also kind of knew from our coach's playbook he would drill us 
with certain plays on certain maps. So um, we would know exactly like what we want to try first. Then if that doesn't mm-hmm. work, what do we go next? Um, so at some points, uh, people would understand like, okay, yeah, would if, if I just spray on the ground and just stand still and crouch, people will regroup with me. Shall we All get right. into the news? Pull up the notes. So recently there was a video of Sideshow, Neptuno, and Custa discussing some of the Overwatch League signings and releases. That wasn't supposed to go public, but some people, uh, somebody, I, I don't know whose stream it was, but it was live. And we heard in on a couple of them. Once again, these are all like rumors. Um, not all of them are quite confirmed as of the time of recording. But there were some interesting names being thrown around, as well as a couple of interesting prospects that might be switching over. Some of the big ones is that the Fuel were interested in trading uh, closer for the LA Valiant for Custa. Um, but the Valiant were not interested due to Closer's higher uh, salary. So they wanted to keep Custa in that sense. Um, the Fuel were thinking about signing, or we're going to sign Gamsu from the shanghai dragons so giving them another giving them another solid player um for that team as well and then oge from the fuel would be acquired by the gladiators as well as space from the valiant so uh it looks like the gladiators are buffing up their tank uh roster a little bit more uh then the valiant said that they might be lowering their team budget so um this is why what i heard from a couple people at least from the collegiate scene that the Valiant were doing like tryouts, open tryouts with a couple of the players from at, I know of two players from the Academy of Art who are going to, who are in the tryouts. And then there's also a couple other players from other colleges who are in the rotation. So interesting to see if any of them land, uh, if they do congrats. Um, and then meanwhile, the define are making some big plays, uh, if these are true, they would end up getting Agilities and Kareev from the Valiant, as well as signed Surefor from the Gladiators. So a lot of changes coming in this offseason. Yeah, there's a lot of big names that are moving around. Next season's going to be really crazy, at least in the very beginning, when everyone's getting used to each other and seeing uh, our favorite players in different jerseys. Yeah, I feel like that's another thing that, you know, it, we're getting to that point where the initial inaugural signings are starting to expire. So that's why some of the players are moving on or not quite uh, satisfied with their team that they're, they've been on. So I can see players moving off or switching around. Um, but yeah, I, I'm definitely interested in what the Defiant have because picking up Agility's Kareev and Surefor, uh, that gives them quite a lot of flexibility. And the Gladiators are looking really strong in their... In their um, tank lineup right now with OGE and space but uh they just lost hydration already he's already confirmed signed to the uh Houston Outlaws and then there's also talks that profit and gesture might move from the dynasty London over to uh Seoul yeah the dynasty so it's really interesting to see these shakeups um and i honestly hope i feel like it's healthy for the league Because we're going to have a lot of like random or I wouldn't say necessarily random, but just like interesting team lineups come together and play. Um, We still know that the Shock only released Nevix um, and Nevix has been discussing with the uh, uh, Defiant as well. Um, So uh, 
that's what I'm saying. Like, if an expansion team comes in right now and just signs half of these players to a team, uh, they will have a solid lineup, considering that some other players that are on the bracket or who are free agents right now consists of like Carpe, uh, EQO, a couple of other just very prominent names that you can just scoop up. What's interesting to me is the Valiant strategy of lowering their budget and going smaller because I know a lot of teams are are beefing up right now and they're they're restructuring, they're hiring new people. That's that's an interesting uh, technique. And like you said, going through open tryouts because I mean, last year they had a, a solid showing towards the end. Like it seemed like they they were doing pretty well. So maybe finding some new fresh talent and bringing some hungrier people into the league might might actually work for them because I mean, it, it it's going to be these people's first shot at actual professional stardom and maybe having people who haven't been in the league so far and haven't really gotten used to the way it's playing are going to be able to shake it up for them to the point where they'll be unpredictable. I agree with that. Finding like unnamed talent, essentially, or just people who are flying under the radar uh, to join a team, especially if they haven't been, you know, in the spotlight, it'll give them the experience of being on the Overwatch League stage and playing for teams that are that crazy. But at the same time, you want to shake up the league. It's good to know that there's a whole bunch of untapped talent that the Valiant might be looking forward. And I don't know if they're going to go through contenders, if they're just opening it up to, you know, maybe we'll just absorb a contenders team into here. Um, But it looks like from what I've heard, they're just doing open tryouts. They're just having people who are uh, top 500 um, or, you know, grandmasters play um, in these open tryouts and shoot their shot, essentially, to make a new 12-man roster that they could sign. It's like we're in, we're in Hollywood. Like, you get, uh, you sign an unknown. Like, everyone's really scared to do it. But when, but a lot of the time I've noticed when you sign someone who's brand new, who's never really done anything before, and they actually do well, they become the it thing. So maybe that's going to happen with the league where once these people come onto the Valiant's team, if they do well, if they actually show that they are tough enough to hang with the pros, then maybe they'll be kind of the darlings of the league for the next little bit. What do, do you think that with all the people who are moving to these different teams, do you think that they'll actually, because a lot of them are starters. There, A lot of them are people who have had a lot of screen time and have been playing. Do you think that they'll stay in, in that prominence or do you think some of them might actually get uh benched and sidelined i feel like it's it goes both ways if you have so much talent on a team uh you're you're definitely going to have to bench some of your even good players as we've seen um at least in this meta like super was benched for the entire fourth season um except for like a couple of times when they decided to pull him out every once in a while uh same thing with like nevix um who was a starter back in season one um but just a whole bunch of just players that have experience have been benched and then at least for the san francisco shock and then when they release them they become starters on other teams so if anything i feel like having a new organization if you're gonna have a new organization and you bring in veteran talent it gives them that sense of leadership that they can be looking for um for new talent and training them and getting them up to speed. Um, but it really depends on the meta. Like we've seen some, some heroes, some players even just being completely 
benched because they don't have a hero that they can play in that meta at the moment. In your opinion, and completely hypothetical, do you think it'd be better to be a starter on a team that's got a losing record and isn't really doesn't really have a chance to make it to the grand finals or to be on a grand finals team but not as a starter and not really playing? Uh, I feel like it goes both ways. I, I would honestly, as as a player on my team, uh, and also being a sub for the A team at, at times, I do like being on the better team just because you get to listen in on some of the strats that they have and learn. It's also it's always a learning experience. But when you're on the lower team, when you're playing on the B team, you feel like you have something to prove. Like you're always you're always the underdog and everybody discounts you. So it motivates you a little bit more. Um, so it really depends on which environment the player really flourishes in. If you feel like you're better at playing from behind, um, I can definitely see them signing to you know, a smaller team and making their name there. Um, but if you know, you want to be a part of a winning formula, you want to, you want to be a part of a team that knows how to win. You want to, you know, join those championship teams and maybe just take a couple of minutes off here and there. And it does come down to the meta. Like certain people excel on a certain hero. And if it's not meta, then they'll just bench them until it is meta. So that just goes back to the super case where super is really good at, you know, Reinhardt, um, not so much Zarya. So that's why they brought in Smurf for the Zarya play. Um, but, you know, if Winston Reinhardt comes back, I don't, I don't know what's going to, what's going to happen there. Okay. So um, with BlizzCon only a little over a week away, a lot of people are speculating as what's going to happen. So far, leaks have been suggesting that we might see an announcement for Overwatch 2 plus Diablo 4. As far as Diablo 4, uh, the reason why people are speculating is that it's going to come out is because there was a, a German art book for Diablo. Was I think at least the... Um, advertisement for it was released and they showed some inside pages and one of the descriptions was it's showing art from diablo 1 2 3 and diablo 4 so based upon that leak people have been deducing that blizzcon is when they're going to announce it and as far as overwatch 2 there have been leaks coming from someone named metro who in the past i believe he leaked a few other details like he leaked ash the uh, ash's name her cinematic and abilities a, le- a week before blizzcon and as far as i know uh metro supposedly has connections with people on the development team and so what metro's announced so far is that overwatch 2 is going to be leaked at blizzcon through a cinematic short um overwatch 2 seems to be the actual title that they're going with uh it's going to be a, tr- a full triple a pve and pvp game which i think that for me that's the most exciting part um the hero's abilities are going to be on a leveling system so for example if you're playing tracer you can upgrade or uh tweak her bomb and uh personalize it so it could for example stick to multiple enemies at once and as far as the the short the spoilers that are being leaked so far are that it's going to feature May, Winston, Tracer, and Young Genji, and May supposed to get heavily injured and saved by Genji. Mm, I, I know that Metro Metro is like definitely a credible source once we 
since last year, he's been leaking some very interesting things here and there. I don't know if Overwatch 2 is what we need. Another thing that I I was discussing with a couple people from the Overwatch team itself or at the Academy of Art was, is Overwatch 2, if announced here, going to replace the Overwatch League style? Or are they going to keep Overwatch 1 and Overwatch 2 separate? What if like everybody from Overwatch 1 migrated over to Overwatch 2? You would have to like rebuild your whole name, your whole, you know, way of life and how the heroes work and all that stuff. But also it it comes up with the question of like, you know, we paid 40 bucks or whatever to play Overwatch 1. Uh what's going to give us the incentive to play Overwatch 2 um if it isn't just going to be you can't just say oh it's better Overwatch 1 already. Um you really have to give us some incentive to really switch over. From what I've seen, people are speculating that I don't know if this is based on what Metro said in like an AMA on Reddit or whatever, but the speculation is that they're just going to migrate everything from Overwatch 1 over to Overwatch 2 and just support it that way. I, I agree. I, I don't know if Overwatch 2 is what we need right now. There, there's still plenty of play to get out of the first game. There's people still playing it. Like I still haven't really gotten tired of it. I think what you need to do is to not give us the same events every year without changes at all. Like they didn't even change the playable heroes for Drunkenstein this time. Oh yeah. They they usually give us something else every year, right? Yeah, they'll give us like a new cast of heroes to play as and whereas this year it's literally just the same as year one. I think what you need to do is you need to go instead of focusing entirely on Overwatch 2, you need to make sure that people still care enough about the Overwatch property to even be interested in Overwatch 2. Like I know I've seen plenty of people online saying that after four years of Drunkenstein and goddamn Lucio Ball, they've just stopped caring about the events because, oh, yeah, you get a new skin. OK, that what's that going to do for me aside from like the 15 seconds of happiness I get? Whereas like a new event and a new thing every year, people would be more interested in playing it because if you only get it for that one year, then you have more incentive to play as opposed to knowing, oh, next year, it's going to be the exact same thing. I don't really need to play it right now if I don't want to. I can just wait till next year. Yeah, I do agree that they have to switch some things up in order to keep interest, keep public interest here. And I'm surprised that Overwatch 2 is being announced rather than it being, you know, an expansion for Overwatch in general. Um, I don't know what huge changes needed to be made to the original Overwatch in order to warrant it. If they are planning on doing Overwatch 2, I hope that it keeps people interested enough that, you know, once again, you have to keep the game fresh. Um, you know, having Junkenstein for the third year in a row with not even a new map or anything to mess with is kind of a uh, kind of boring. Same thing with having Lucio Ball every summer. Like, you know, you gotta you gotta change some things up here and there or else we're just gonna go back to another property. Uh, I, have a, I have a question for you. Um, I played a lot of MOBA games in general, and leveling systems have been something that have been introduced in those games for quite a while. So how do you think players will deal with the leveling system? Do you think that Blizzard's going to do it by experience level? Like, you have to be X amount of levels to have access to this character's kit? 
Or do you think it's going to be more of a during the game you start leveling? Or is it going to be like before the game you can choose your loadout? I think it's going to be kind of like uh, my my closest and most recent uh, parallel is to like Mortal Kombat with their new system. It's like you can, you, you're going to do it before I think each game where you can like just through playing X number of hours and reaching a certain level, you can unlock like different customizable bits with each character. And then pre-round like you'll have you can set up different variations on a character and i guess based upon uh what your team decides to run on a kernel or what your map pick is you would pick your variation from there i think that's probably the most sensible way to go about it yeah that's something that like i'm honestly curious about because let's say if you have it before the game right and you know that your team is running like a dive comp, but then halfway through, you don't want to do that anymore and you want to switch it, right? Um, half of Overwatch's appeal is the fact that you can switch your you can switch your characters whenever you want right. in order to counter your opponents, in theory, right? Does that mean, let's say if you pick Reinhardt, for example, and you build a certain skill tree that like increases more like shield or shield HP instead of like prioritizing damage... Well, what if your team wants to get more aggressive at a certain point? Do you have to go back to spawn like and then switch your loadout? Or is it going to be you can switch your hero completely and then you have to play that style? I don't know if this is necessarily going to be a great way for leveling up the character and then kind of locking them into a specific style of play um, versus being able to switch your characters in the middle of the round so that you can fix your team composition however you want. Do you think it might be like a skill tree kind of thing too? Where there's like a set progression? That's what I was thinking as well. It's like if there is a specific progression, like does that mean that the progression happens outside of the game? Kind of like how we have the border system right now, right? So whatever color your border is depends on how many, you know, like I don't loot boxes you've opened or something like that. So does that mean right. the skill tree is built off of the experience that you have already in said game or is it based off of like essentially like level 25 you know how like you have to be level 25 to play comp um for the first time do you have to be level 25 to play comp and that's when you like complete every skill tree that you have or is it going to be that you have the option in the middle of the game to switch your skill tree or to build a certain way which i know that in mobas is a thing because when you get into a game and you build a certain skill tree, um, I'm referring to Dota, if anything, you can play your hero a different way depending on which branches you decide to prioritize. So, um, yeah. So, for example, like what if there was one with, I, I guess Chaser is another good example. Um, like, right, right. Level one is just like um, fall off damage is starts later, or you get a. Th- another blink charge or something like that right um and then later on it's like pulse bomb damage plus 100 or um or recall on a minus one second like shave a second off the cooldown um if that's a if that's a case i feel like you have to lock in your heroes because if you switch your hero halfway through then you lose out on that ability for that skill tree so you're killing experience on a certain hero in order to make the hero swap but you also can't progress the hero that you just switched out on 
with a skill tree format, like I was just thinking about it. Like if, if it's a set progression anyway, and everyone eventually hits the same variations on the character, like then there's really no point in the leveling up because eventually everyone's going to get to the same character anyway, or at least there's going to be enough people playing the similar variation of the character where it won't really matter. Yeah. Or it enables a different play style from each one, which is, Kind of the way how the MOBA skill trees work. It's like they'll give you different ways to play the same hero, but in like using their kit in a different way or like prioritizing different abilities over others. Um, But I do feel like that is half of the battle. It's like I feel like, you know, we have 31 characters in Overwatch right now. Sigma's 31, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 31 flavors of Overwatch. So, yeah, if we still have 31 characters and you want to do the skill tree thing, does that mean we have a pick band phase hmm. so that you can balance out the teams accordingly and then you f- you don't have swaps? But at the same time, like, let's say if you deny, like right now, at least the tank role, like we need a lot to to work with to make the tank role work. Um you need a lot more heroes. Same thing with the support role. Like if, let's say if there was a pick ban phase and you just straight up like banned a Lucio in this meta right now. Like no Lucio, no Sigma, no Doomfist or something like that, right? Yeah, I feel like there needs to be more heroes in the game before we can start doing pick bans. Um, but I feel like a hero needs to be locked down in order for this skill tree in-game format to work. So I think I think it's going to be outside of the game, outside of the match itself that you do before the match starts and you just uh, you build according to what you feel like your character is going to play. And then you just hope that the rest of your team builds the same way. I'm just not sure this leveling thing is what was missing from Overwatch in the first place. What I am excited for is a PvE mode. Hopefully get some more lore and less toxic players that way because you're all on the same team maybe this is why we didn't get a good junk rat junkenstein's revenge this year because they're working on that stuff yeah and i do feel like the lore right now for overwatch at least is just kind of all over the place like we don't know chronologically when certain things happen um or if you do follow everything chronologically uh it's still kind of a mess there's like a lot of retcon stuff oh yeah like the Um, moira retcon yeah uh same thing with like you know diva wasn't a master starcraft player uh she's just a star esports player and you're like oh okay you (laughs) you did some backtracking yeah just a little bit so i want to see what they decide to do if overwatch 2 ends up becoming a thing that they announce um we'll see how crazy uh the crowd goes if there is one and then what it means for the pro scene as well like are we all moving over to overwatch 2 with the skill tree and leveling system or are we staying on overwatch 1 also rip to all the people who just bought overwatch on the switch if that happens yeah i feel like that's a big kind of a gotcha that that blizzard could have pulled if they're just like oh yeah we just released overwatch for the switch but now we're not going to support it anymore just well, why would you why would you release it so late? It's not a 
not a thing. I feel like if anything, Overwatch Two would be something that's like super far down the pipeline. Like they said, Overwatch Two coming out in twenty twenty two or something like that. Like way later down the line, people would be like, "Okay, yeah, sure, uh, it'll come out in twenty twenty five because you know typical Blizzard stuff will just push it back until it's polished." Um, so we'll hopefully have Overwatch itself for a little bit longer. And then transition to Overwatch 2 um, when they finally get it polished and ready to go. I feel like that's the only way that they could justify having Overwatch come out on the Switch and then announcing Overwatch 2 is if you have a good couple of years before it's going to come out. Although that presents a different problem if we want to move on to the, the next bit of news. According to the same leaker, Metro... Um, we're not going to be getting a new hero this year announced at BlizzCon along with that Overwatch 2 announcement. In fact, according to Metro, it's possible that Blizzard is done releasing heroes for Overwatch completely so that they can completely focus on getting Overwatch 2 done and out as soon as possible. Um, This is one of those leaks where I'm not exactly sure if it's credible or not because blizzard's already announced that three heroes are working on in the pipeline like echo maga and the junker queen have already been confirmed as new heroes that are coming to the game um and considering how many people are disappointed with content in the game so far um and with maybe another year or a couple of years to go before overwatch 2 comes out to not release new heroes or anything like that how are you going to get people excited in playing the original game until the next one comes out like people are already leaving in droves thus far like this is not the move you want to make yeah i feel like blizzard kind of i wouldn't say dug their own grave but like they set expectations for all of us to be really hyped for BlizzCon and then like the middle of March and then certain just certain points of the year that we expect a new hero or new content to come out. Um, and to kind of hear that we're not going to be getting a new hero at BlizzCon is kind of kind of a bummer because I mean it's understandable we kind of just got Sigma. It felt like we just got Sigma, but if they don't announce a hero here. Um, I hope it's soon. Like they they release a hero soon. Um that way the game is still not just stuck on the same uh same crash course same kind of meta that we're in. But what if Metro's right? What if they're actually not releasing any heroes until Overwatch 2 comes out and then they're going to consider releasing those 3 that they've already teased us with? If that's the case, I feel like the more casual players will probably end up leaving. Because, you know, a game with no updates is it gets boring after a while. You've just been playing the same thing for forever. Um, pros might still continue to play just because there is the league and there's stuff to look forward to. So the hardcore fans will stay and keep playing. But um, the casual player would probably end up moving on into something that's a lot more that's updating more. That's feels fresh all the time um, and. You know, I don't I don't know which game that'll be. I'm not a fortune teller, but we know that 
know, people want to look for the newest things, things that are coming out. And if Overwatch one abandons, like just saying like, you know what, no more updates, you're going to end up like heroes of the storm and just, you know, yeah. Heroes of the storm. Rest (laughs) in peace. So more news in Hong Kong this week, quieter than last week. Okay. So October 18th, which was three days before we're recording, um, some members of the United States Congress, uh, most prominently uh, Marco Rubio and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, have weighed in on the Hong Kong controversy. Again, like Kevin pointed out a couple weeks ago, sports does not exist in a bubble. And Blizzard as esports does not exist in a bubble. So there are five senators who signed this letter to Robert Kotick, who is chief executive officer of Blizzard, again stating how they don't support how Blizzard is bowed to China in their initial punishment of Blitzchung. They were uh, requesting that they don't punish him. They give him back his winnings, which they did, and to just get rid of his his suspension from the game. I think this blew up way farther than Blizzard has had ever thought possible. Um, it also speaks to the influence and the importance that video games and economics and whatever have in not just economics, but in, in politics too. I feel like this letter was very one-sided. They just kind of teamed up with, with Blitz Chung and were like, you know what? This is like, you guys shouldn't bow into whatever they did. Um, but at the same time, you're like, it was right. in the rules to not do this. And if anything, Blizzard is just standing by their rules that they enforced. Um, I feel like this came after they gave him back his money anyways, right? Like this this whole thing with them signing the uh, yeah, signing this letter. It came after they already right. reversed it's, it's their late. decision it's to really give late. Him back his money. So, yeah. It's yeah, it's a, it's a little late to the party. Um but I do feel like the the government, at least the the US government is it's just a little bit behind here and then they also didn't take into the account that you know, it was a part of Blizzard's right. like terms of condition to play in the tournament. Um so, you know, once again I said it I said it last week, it is kind of a like 50 50 the way how blizzard takes it like they are really strict on their rules as we've seen with uh overwatch league players as well like what they did to defran when he was initially throwing his games for fun and then they they straight up like banned him for like six months for sabotaging gameplay um and then what they also do to people who were like helping boost accounts um they were very strict on that rule as well for new players entering the league it's like a three months suspension or three to six months suspension after um, getting signed to the league. So that's why players or teams would sign them early just in case if they did uh, break that rule, they could serve their time during the off season. They want to follow their own rules. They want to make their rules strict enough where it makes sense. But once you have the certain amount of backlash, you do have to kind of backpedal a little bit, especially for Blizzard. Like you're getting so much bad PR for following your own rules. Like (laughs) it's kind of a 
double-edged sword. So I do understand them pulling back that whole decision. But then again, you could have other people who will will purposely break the rules only to create more conflict to then have it be rescinded. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, this is definitely one-sided on the side of the politicians there. They're not considering the the economic part of how Blizzard is owned by Tencent. They're not considering, like you said, the rule. It was in the rules. But, I mean, I wouldn't expect them to. They're just speaking out on... They're doing the opposite of what Blizzard did, which was to ride the public sentiment as fast as they could, which is late in this instance. Like, why? I honestly don't understand why they issued this so late and they're talking about things that blizzards already addressed last week we were talking about the what blizzards response to all this was uh that they had stated that while they they do feel like they might have reacted a little bit harshly and did backpedal on their response to blitzchung and his punishment the official statement was that regardless of what his sentiment may have been whether it was pro-China or pro-Hong Kong, their response still would have been the same. I forgot to mention this last week, but my friend sent me a tweet from Mark Kern, who was the development team lead for the original World of Warcraft. And it shows a a statement from the Chinese Hearthstone page. Um, now, caveat here, me and you, Kevin, were talking about this, that we, even though Mark Kern is talking about this and tweeting it we personally don't know the validity of this we don't know whether this is actually a tweet from their hearthstone and there's there's different implications on whether what happens if it's true or not but here's what the translation of that tweet reads it's we are very angered and disappointed at what happened at the event last weekend and highly object the expression of personal political beliefs in any of our events As always, we will defend the pride and dignity of China at all costs. So that's a very different tone than their English response. So for me, at least, it looks like they're pandering to both sides and they're not taking any hard stance on it really whatsoever. Because on one one side, you're saying, oh, it wouldn't have mattered what he said. He just said something political. On the other hand, to China, they're saying... We love you, China. We will defend you at all costs. Uh, again, if this is accurate. Yeah, it's kind of kind of weird to know that if this is true, that Blizzard is just saying two completely different things, one to save their financial butt and one to save their PR butt. Uh, so we don't know where they stand. If this is true, though, um, we don't know the validity of this and if this is 100% true or if it's you know just more bogus um but we'll see if it makes any splash uh coming especially now that blizzcon is just around the corner if this will have any implication there and and another thing on the validity aspect of it like yes it was on his twitter and he was talking about it there to that community but also um it's not been picked up by any of the media pages that are following this like even if it's a chinese tweet like the translation exists you can have people translate it like if this is really what blizzard said i'm wondering 
why isn't it actually being discussed in the main discussion about the Hong Kong debacle? Like, if Blizzard is actually being two-faced about this, I would expect it to be more of a public scandal. Yeah, I did find that kind of interesting that not a lot of people are talking about it, especially if this came yeah. out. It says that this came out on October 10th, which is like two weeks ago. So if this was the actual tweet, you would expect people to either dig for it and pull it up, uh, especially now that Blizzard has rescinded their initial statement to take Blitzchunk's money and whatever. You would think that people would be like, oh, okay. They they apologize and they did this, but they did tweet this out. And you got to figure out what is valid and what's what's true on both ends here. Do you think what do you think is more likely that this is an actual tweet from Blizzard or this is just something that was made up and circulated around and that somehow Mark Kern also got taken in by it? Uh, I feel like it go either way. I'm not really taking a stance on this whole thing. I feel like. When it came down to to this, I feel like this could, in fact, be just like another knee jerk reaction thing from Blizzard where they're just like, you know what, we got to we got to cover our butts right now. Let's just throw something out there. And so this is very Blizzard like to to just kind of throw a tweet out there. Um, But at the same time, the fact that it wasn't really covered much, even when it was initially released, kind of makes it suspicious. Right. Or not believable well in lighter news um i I got to more of the cooking uh, the cookbook um i made the i I saw your instagram yeah i put it on my instagram i put it on the uh no not my instagram i put it on our instagram for the page um so before i made the moqueca for it's a brazilian fish soup that was a lucia recipe um this last week Mm -hmm. i made three recipes i made the tater tot hot dish which is a soldier 76 recipe i made saft drink which is s-a-f-t uh which is a brigitte swedish drink um and i also made lentil soup which is an ana recipe so egyptian um they're all pretty easy they're really fun to do i really like the way that the tater tot hot dish came out essentially it's ground beef that you season with stuff plus frozen vegetables cheese and tater tots on top it goes really well with ketchup i know a lot of people hate ketchup but it's what the recipe book said to go with so i went with ketchup uh the saft drink i know i made wrong because it it tells you to take out the pulp of whatever berries or fruit that you use to make this kind of syrup that you then combine with seltzer water in an effort to not waste the healthy bits of fruit i just kept them in it's really refreshing honestly like you put a lot you have to put a lot of sugar in it but you're only, since you're only putting like a spoonful or two into the whatever water or seltzer water you have, um, it really kind of dilutes that. Uh, the lentil soup I made was actually kind of hard because I couldn't find some of the spices in a lot of the stores I went to. Like I went to a couple Walmarts, I went to a Ralph's, and then I went to a Middle Eastern grocery that finally had the Zatar spice mix that I needed for it. And then I went to Ralph's to buy a single carrot because no other store carries single single carrots except Ralph's, like not Aldi, not Walmart, nothing. And then they had that spice mix there in a smaller quantity, but for like 
almost 10 bucks when I got it for three at the, the Middle Eastern grocery store. And I feel like I made that wrong because it also turned into a more of a bean dip than an actual soup. Um, but it actually, it tasted really good. I'm not a fan of, I haven't been a fan of lentils before, but with the way that the spices came out, it was really good. It's really, it's healthy. Um, easier to make once you can actually find all the damn spices. Honestly, I, I really like this cookbook. There's a lot of like throwaway, just garbage recipes. Like one thing that I'm I'm never going to make that I'm surprised they put it in there was Roadhog has a recipe for fairy bread. It's just bread, butter, and sprinkles. Yeah, no. Why? <laughs> you could have done something that actually represents Australia or the character of Roadhog. You, you probably could have done like a pulled pork kind of dish considering it's Roadhog. Yeah. And that's also a combo in the game. Um, so it, it's interesting to see what what they put in the cookbook. I picked up my copy, by the Ooh, way, okay. uh, of the Overwatch cookbook as well. Um, I haven't made anything yet. Um, I actually picked up two copies. Now, the other copy is going to the winner of the tournament. Another incentive to go and play in the tournament, you get the Overwatch cookbook. Yeah, I've been looking through it. There's a couple of recipes that I definitely want to try. My mom makes kind of a version of what Roadhog has as well, that snack mix. Yeah. The one with like the M&Ms and the Reese's Pieces in it. Um, my mom makes it with Cheerios, peanuts, chow mein noodles, like rice checks, and I think cornflakes. And that's all covered with like brown sugar uh, and like caro syrup. And it's just like really thick and heavy. Um so I want to kind of do a side by side comparison, like tr- like make Roadhog's thing, and then make my mom's, and then just see like what comes up and what's what comes up as like better in like a blind taste test potentially. Um, but yeah, there's a couple of them that I'm definitely marking, and I think I want to do one on stream every month. Um, I'll probably bring on a couple of the Art U players as well to take their stab at it as well. And yeah, I I hope that that turns out well we'll i'll keep you updated if i make anything what are some that you want to make the first one the mccree con carne dish that looks really good man my my recipe is in the kitchen my book is in the kitchen i'm just going off the top of my head um i actually want to try to make rikimaru ramen like the full full dish for that i want to try um ingrid's apple pie i feel like that one's a very good one for the season who wouldn't want to try the boba tea that Junkrat has. That'd be really interesting. I want to try Reaper's drink. It's like a hard cinnamon sugar drink. Scythe I want to is what it's called. See if I could, yeah, the scythe. I want to see if I could handle that. And then the Winston dessert, like the peanut butter. It's like peanut butter pudding. Oh yeah, that might be good. There's a couple of them that like I definitely have on my radar. Um, it's just a matter of me getting ingredients and then also trying it out. Right. I think for me next is what I'm going to try is uh, I think it's Sombra who has a recipe for orange flan in there. And then I think Ash has a, mm-hmm. a corn pudding recipe that I was going to try. They look, mm-hmm. they look easy enough and I'm a big fan of flan. So I've never actually, I've always wanted to try making it before. I've just never had the resources or the time or the, the desire to actually put in the effort but 
now that I have my parents who can pay for my ingredients for me since I live at home now, I mean, if it's on someone else's dime, why not? Exactly. That, that's I'm in the same boat right now. Um, I feel like my parents really do trust me when it comes to like cooking and making a new dish. So if I tell them like, you know, pick something from this cookbook that happens to be game related, uh, they definitely find something that they'd like and then have me try it. So um kind of excited to see what they decide to try out if they want me to try to make something um but we'll see we'll see what it looks like when we finally get around to it oh there is one halloween recipe because i remember last week i was telling you how i was disappointed that there's no like event themed recipes there is one kind of halloweeny mm-hmm. recipe um in moira's section there is a an irish bread i don't have the book in front of me either which honestly i should have thought about but there's an Irish kind of uh, dessert bread that's got like preserves or whatever in it. And according to the description, it's traditional in Ireland to uh, have this bread during Halloween time. My only problem is I don't know where to get like candied nuts and candied uh, weird fruits like candied currants. I've never seen a currant in my life before. So I want to make that especially because Halloween is next week. I just, I'm going to struggle in finding the ingredients. I feel like if we had the budget to get an IRL set up, we would definitely go through half of half of the battle of making these overwatch cookbook things is finding the ingredients. So if, if you had like an IRL stream of you like going to each place, figuring out like, where do we go? Where does this, you know, where do I find this ingredient? Um, that's like half the battle. The things we would do if we had money. <laughs> Please sponsor our. <laughs> Please, yes. Podcast. Like, if you want to advertise, please do. Like, honestly, it would be a, a great help to us, and we could make more crazy foods, and maybe one day stream it live so you could watch us fail at cooking, or at least me fail at cooking. Kevin, you sound more confident than I am in a kitchen. I I feel confident when I'm in a kitchen, but I haven't cooked in a while because I've been off of my diet. It's been going out and finding uh, fast food restaurants open after 10 rather than me going home and cooking like a responsible adult. Nothing's open really after 10 except like McDonald's or Wendy's or In-N-Out. Exactly. Um, when I was on keto, dude, In-N-Out was like the go-to. You just pull up order two three by threes protein style just that's it <laughs> give me my 16 meat or give me my six meat down i'm I'm out of there um <laughs> i'm glad i'm off the diet right now at least um this holiday season is always like the hardest to dodge so uh yeah I'm, and i also didn't want to train my body to just completely reject carbs it was almost at that point where my body was shutting down after having like a slice of bread all right i think that's it for this week i don't see anything else okay okay then well thank you for tuning in and thank you for listening um we'll keep our ear to the ground in regards to the overwatch news and keep you updated for next week also if you are listening to this before sunday the 27th feel free to tune in to art you esports on twitch i'll be aware the tournament will be held um more information will probably be on our instagram twitter and other social media handles support kevin yeah it's gonna be great 
All right. Thank you for tuning in and see you next week. See ya. Next week, we talk about our predictions for BlizzCon announcements, as well as World Cup news. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Like what you hear? Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. That's B-L-E-A-V in OWL. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to send us an email at Believe in OWL at gmail.com. Interested in advertising with the show? Please contact our network at Believe.com. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.